to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events. When is this great experiment for me? Impervious to heat, impossible to move. Is it human or inhuman? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It's time for the Beaky Drummy Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hello and welcome to this week's Geeky Brummy Show. Joining me today, Mr. Keith Bluefield. Hello again, Ryan. Mr. Lee Price. Hello. And Mr. Guy Halford. Ryan. How have we all been? Keith, what have you been up to? Up. I've not been up to anything. What are you insinuating you, what, here? What have you been down with? <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's any better than what have I been up to. I feel like I'm being interrogated here. What have you been up to? Why are you guilty of anything, sir? Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't me. I wasn't there. Nobody saw me do it. You can't prove anything. Is all I'm saying. Um, a bit of comic reading. A bit of TV watching. Uh, a bit of um, trying to get the picture on my TV just right. If um, people want to know about what comics you read... What Strangely you enough, on a Wednesday, yes. I do a version that's written. So if you like reading, mm-hmm. that's brilliant well, because you can morning. read the words that yeah. are written. They're not. It's not as good. It's not as well written as Lee's gaming thing on a, on, a, <laughs> on a Friday, which actually looks like he's took time and effort to do it, uh, and, and and isn't isn't being done in the ten minutes before. Oh my God! It's nearly eleven o'clock on Wednesday. I need to get this out. <laughs> I, um, I, don't knock, I don't knock it up in two hours on a Thursday. Or no. <laughs> uh, so there's a written version of, of what I'm what I'm currently reading. It's a little bit of a personal uh, take. Because uh, I am trying to generally buy the books that I'm recommending, rather than just thinking of something that's um, of note. Occasionally I do that, which is which is not good. But I, mean, I am buying the trades of those books later on. But then on a Saturday, possibly a Friday or maybe a Sunday. Sunday yeah. yeah, it's it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Is I do a visual version. Where I forget the things that I've written down and say something else instead. Um, so yeah, because I tried it with a script and it didn't work. So yeah. because the, um, the the schedule of this is so off, and perhaps it might be best if people subscribe to uh, the Geeky Brummy YouTube channel. And so if you be... click the little notification yeah. icon. Yeah, and yeah. then whatever the time of day I put it up, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, get, you get a little notification. Yeah, it's great. It's, and, it's, it's brilliant. And you can also listen to this podcast on YouTube as well. Yeah. If you don't like you listening to Stop it on the method, the you, <laughs> if you don't like listening to it on the method. You have we have a red bubble as well. If you do want Keith Ruby merch, there's a really nice logo oh, drawn by Keith. Buy, buy merch, buy buy things, buy things. And Lee, what have you been up to this week? Uh, just playing, playing through more of my backlog. Uh, I've been uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of back- <laughs> um, of games. <laughs> You're not making that sound much better. Uh, I, do, I do imagine now that we could develop our own um, like independent game called Backlog. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, you could guess what that is I about. Would, I wouldn't be surprised if that's out there somewhere in the ether. Like, I, I've looked into the indie market, there's weird stuff out there. It, it's probably one of those Japanese manga slash games oh, for God. certain people. Yeah, I don't, yeah don't, don't get me started on the visual novels out there. Um, <laughs> no, I've been... Um, Playing through uh, Super Mario Odyssey, uh, and still working my way through uh, Yakuza Five, because I've been going back through all the Yakuza games, uh, and 
It's taking me ages to get through Yakuza 5, largely because it's a huge game. And Is it one of those with many, many, many little side games? Oh, yeah. It's got tons of stuff, because it is basically, as well as being a very serious crime drama, uh, it is also a life in Japan simulator. So if you, if you don't feel like going off and fighting some dudes somewhere, you can just go play pool. Or you could go play Outrun in an arcade somewhere. Pachinko. You can go play Pachinko. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing when I go do the Pachinko stuff. I don't think anybody who plays Pachinko <laughs> knows what the hell they're doing. It's like balls fly around the screen and... Uh... <laughs> Not like that guy. <laughs> and I, was, I looked right at Guy as I said that. <laughs> and... Clear in the backlog. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... Made cafes and other weird things in there, I think. They're made... Uh, there's hostess clubs, which are not quite the same thing as main cafes you basically but what they do with that is they turn it into like a dating sim it's it's weird um <laughs> but you can also beat people up and like be a gangster yeah yeah i'm taking that it that's not on switch no yeah no <laughs> it's a it's a playstation only series to date um and yeah, but what is on Switch is Super Mario Bros. which I've also played. Stop, stop, stop <laughs> talking about games on Switch. But it's so good. But if you want to know no, more of Lee's gaming opinions, you can find Lee. Yeah. Writing articles every Friday, as we mentioned. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you got to polishing your instruments as we've been <laughs> blowing your own trumpet. Talking of blowing our own trumpets. <laughs> Guy Halford, what have you been up to this week? Uh, yeah, I, um, I went with Laura to go and see the Guilty Feminist podcast live. Um, there was an incident before I went into the Goaty Feminist podcast live. Is, is this a Meldrew kind of incident? It's almost like you could do Guy Halford Monopoly. Bingo. <laughs> Not Monopoly. <laughs> Bingo. Oh is there. Uh, Guy Halford's went to an event. What's there? A. An incident. Bingo. Got it. Although I am curious as to what Guy Halford Monopoly would involve. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> How do I say this without sounding bad? All right. Don't. <laughs> don't. That's probably Don't the way. point at me. Well, well, that was a fun feature. Ryan, <laughs> we're, we're all just going to back away from the microphones now, Guy. Okay, so like, obviously the Guilty Feminist is an event where it's going to be more female personage at the event than male. You know, there's going to be a larger population of females at the event as opposed to men. So, <laughs> I went to the toilet before the event at the same time as a man... Strangely looked a little bit like Alan Partridge and had a permanent grin on his face. He decided to make a joke that I'd already thought of and said to Laura at this point of, oh, there's not going to be many cues for the men's toilets tonight. As he said that joke, he walked right into the wall and nearly <laughs> fell over. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was just like, you utter fool. Dun, 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 that that dun, story dun, took a distinct turn at the end, guy. When I was expecting it to be you that walked into the wall. It was brilliant. Like, and then did you point it. and laugh? Did you do the Nelson Muntz laugh from the Simpsons? No, I couldn't really. So I had to just, I just smiled. I was like, yeah, about his joke. And then, like, literally, like that. It that was it. It kind of killed. See what would have been what would it would have been a killer end to that story is that the venue in a really vindictive uh, move had closed the men's toilets specifically for that event. That would have been genius. wow. It's funny that you say that because oh, no. I went to the toilet during the event and I was in there and then I, I as, as I was walking out of the cubicle, a girl came out of the cubicle and I came out and I was like <laughs> right. 
Uh, I am definitely in the men's because there's your rhinos. But I just checked and like her two friends were stood outside and they put the sign over the t- men's thing so their friend could obviously go and cu- go go for a slash in the men's toilets. And and then she saw you with the hair and probably thought, I'm fine. Yeah, but I was just like, hang- I literally, there was a moment where I was kind of like, hang on a minute, am I in the right place or is she in the wrong place? For, so- a, for a second I thought you were going to describe it as an IT crowd situation where you ended up in the disabled. <laughs> <laughs> you know and your co-worker ends up behind the bar and it just becomes a thing. You can't beat a good disabled toilet. <laughs> Love a disabled Disabled toilet. So much room in a disabled toilet. It's great. Yeah, Peace and quiet. There's generally a reason for that, guy. The support bars are not there for your arm comfort, guy. I mean, like I have used a disabled toilet and then been someone's been waiting outside when I've come out. So I have done a fake limp in the past. Like I've had to. See, I can just point to the glasses because I am pretty much blind without them. Do you not, not every disability is visible. <laughs> Do you not find the hand washing basin to be far too low down afterwards, though? It depends whether you're washing your hands or, or your balls. <laughs> you using it as a bidet? I don't, I don't want to go into a, a toilet with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I generally don't anyway, but I especially you're, don't now. You're going to be like the old guys I used to talk about where the gym were. They'd use the, the hair dryers not on their um, head hair. No. Put it that way. Flapping in the breeze. That's, that's a mental <sighs> image you can never get rid of. What have you been doing this week? Uh, More packing. Afro man. More packing. Lots and lots of packing. But I've also what kind of packing? <laughs> clothing Back-packing. and like books and stuff like that. Ah, packing! <laughs> <laughs> what a prize idiot! What's, what's it mean by jumping on the bandwagon? Backpacking. But I've also been watching Rila Kakuma on Netflix, which is one of the greatest shows Sorry, ever. What? Rila Kakuma and Kaoru, which Keith also watches on Netflix. Yeah. I don't know what he just said. It's about a Japanese stuffed bear who's alive, who has a smaller bear and a bird as a friend, and they live in a woman's apartment in Japan. The the little bird is a little bit like Guy. Yes. It's a little bit cross, (laughs) a bit stompy every so often. Um, Very house proud when he wants to be. Always dusting. A little bit like Little Mai for movements. Yes. Strangely... um, I had started watching, or I've watched a couple of the episodes of the new Moomins that's been running on um, Sky, and uh, haven't been blown away by that. Find it a little bit disappointing. So I'm kind of uh, finding this other show much more interesting. Although it's yeah. a bit more adult as well, well so it's kind it, of it's not a it's not a kids show. It always ends with a nice message, yeah, which I do appreciate. It's not really a kids show, though. No, think. but I've got the one episode where it has kind of weirded me out a bit, which is where Rila Kakuma takes off his outfit under the duvet and hands oh, when it they to get Kaoru. washed because he smells yes. a bit musty and there's yes. mushrooms going everywhere. Yeah. So that means there must be something inside the Rila Kakuma suit. But is it human? What is it? Because that's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm, well, hopefully we'll get to find out at some point. Yeah. But it's a really cute Japanese bear, and like Viv has now become obsessed, and she wants lots of Rila Kakuma merchandise because Pusheen is apparently old news, yeah. and Rila Kakuma is the now the thing. Yeah, it's a good little show. It is very cute, and I recommend Netflix. Ooh, weird news. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. I have three weird news stories for you this week. From CNET.com, Razor CEO. CNET. CNET. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's lots about computers and stuff and that lack. Razor CEO confirms development of the Razor Toaster. Right. Well, mm, mm. 
from fox32chicago.com. Fake news. You can now buy Crocs with miniature fanny packs on them. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> fanny pack. <laughs> and from Grand Haven Tribune. That's no. <laughs> Woman rushed to hospital for crying too much during Endgame. That's the winner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Fanny pack and Crocs? No. <laughs> oh, I like fanny. I do like fanny pack and Crocs. Fanny pack and Crocs is a great album title. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're playing um... the Rolling Stones. Fanny pack and Crocs. <laughs> I think they're playing Hare and Hounds in a couple of weeks. I don't know. I heard the Killers had pulled out of Glastonbury and it was going to be taken by uh, Fanny packs and Crocs. <laughs> Who knew that Thor? Could make women cry. <laughs> I mean, I, it's not my fault, really, is it? You know, I'm just, oh, I'm just too beautiful, you know. This is from David Matthews, New York Daily News. David Matthews Band. Which has been reposted by the Grand Haven Tribune. A woman in China was so over- overwhelmed whilst watching Avengers Endgame this week, she began sobbing uncontrollably and had to be taken to hospital when she began hyperventilating. Hang on, are we sure it's because of the film? Like, maybe she didn't choke on popcorn, you know, see the cinema goblin and was, like, upset. <laughs> the woman, referred to as Zhao Li, struggled to breathe. Possibly Sorry, ju- referred possi- to? <laughs> Why would she just be referred to? <laughs> I mean, not her name. Referred to. The presenter alias. referred to as Brian Parrish. <laughs> struggled to breathe. Possibly during one of the many affecting moments in the movie. So she's having an epileptic fit then. The 21-year-old woman was taken to the emergency room at a nearby hospital and given oxygen in order to regulate her breathing. The woman's doctor told the News International that the emotional moviegoer would be fine. (laughs) I mean, that's worse than when I had to have gas and air on the beach when I got stuck on my back. The crying... Let's, let's just park that and come back to it on another show. He's told me this story. It's hilarious. The crying incident is yet another odd story to come out of the movie's record-breaking opening weekend. A man in Hong Kong was beaten up by fellow moviegoers after he shouted spoilers to the movie after leaving his screening. I mean, that, what a hero, but... I wanted, with, that, with that part of the story, though, I want to know, was it... He just walked up to the queue and just yelled spoilers at them? Or was he just casually talking about about the movie to a friend? The New York Daily News reported the man was beaten and bloodied outside of a theatre in Hong Kong. The man, dressed in white, <laughs> reportedly exited his screening and began loudly spoiling the pl- movie's plot by the theatre entrance. Why, why does dressed in white... Do? I mean, we, uh, that, we've done this sort of thing before with some friends years ago at the cinema. and We went to go and see The Grudge... We didn't really fancy the film, so we ended up chucking drink all over each other. Decided that we wanted to leave. Upon leaving, we shouted something quite derogatory at the people in the film. Um, I'm not going to repeat it, because it was very <laughs> offensive. We got out on the screening, and our friend turned around and went, I've dropped my keys on the floor in the cinema. <laughs> so we all had to go back in, rummaging around with lights, trying to find the keys after we shouted something very derogatory at the audience. Recommended for you, other articles... Uh, I like the smiles. <laughs> I like the nightlife. <laughs> and it's time to build a new bridge. What? <laughs> that, I like to boogie. That, that's pretty much it. That's, that's the two recommended articles. So do you want Crocs with fanny packs or Razor Toaster? Fanny packs and Crocs. Mm-hmm. 
You can now buy Crocs with miniature fanny packs on them from Fox 32 Chicago. Photo credit, Crocs X-Beams. Who wrote this story? Fox 13 News staff. Nobody was brave enough to put their name next to it. (laughs) An Alan Smithy film. (laughs) Japan. That was a joke that you wouldn't find on other local radio film shows. Japan, brackets, Fox 13. There is a new twist on a popular set of shoes that may be perfect for those theme park trips. The infamous Crocs have teamed up with Beams to bring you Crocs with fanny packs. <laughs> it gives shoe fanatics all the comfort and style of the original Crocs, but now with a place to store keys, cash and cards and other personal items. I mean, my friend could have done with those in the cinema, really, couldn't they? <laughs> if pockets aren't your thing and bags weigh you down, the zippered pack attaches to your shoes might just be the way it go-to move for you. And then you just step all over your stuff. But imagine that you're in a shop and you're just like, oh, just get some money out. Just gotta lift my foot up from behind, unzip my shoe while I balance on this other foot, and then hand you the money. Then I'm gonna zip it back up and then put my foot back down. Surely you're looking at this design the wrong way around because surely they call it if they're calling it a fanny pack for Crocs, I'm expecting it to be some kind of like sporran-like thing flapping around the front. It's on the back. Why is yeah. it on the back? Uh, That's that. It's like on the strappy bit of the croc. I mean, like, why don't like they combined two of the most unacceptable fashion items <laughs> of all time into one equally worse fashion item? The, the last sentence of this article, because it is a very short one. Some of the crocs also have sun visors, just for fun. Cool. Sun visors. I have a, I have one important question. Who has a fanny on the back of their shirt <laughs> or the back of their heel? This this seems to me slightly uh, brilliant, you know, kind of biologically wrong. Fanny is the word for backside in America, Keith. Yeah, but you don't have a backside on the back of your heel, do you? There would be a heel pack, then, wouldn't it? I know, I'm understanding the word, the, the terminology for fanny in America, like pants, is is not the same as in the UK. You don't have a fanny on the back of your heel. Well, if you go to beams.co.jp, you can buy yourself some fanny packs for your Crocs. Why do you need them for when you're on a roller coaster? What if you get mugged by a bunch of my- mice? <laughs> it's like they're just going to be up behind you. Quick, you know, little kind of Oliver Twist-type mice. <laughs> Whip open the back of his heel, get the 50p out. We can have some fun there, Derek. Imagine right. if you try 50- and use it. <laughs> some of the terminology here, getting the 50p out. Derek! <laughs> Imagine if they've got contactless card in it, and you like stick your leg up <laughs> under the deal, self-service, and just there like balancing your leg. <laughs> my question is, how much can you even fit in something that fits to the back of your shoe? Like, I, I like really, really big shoes. They like design like Krusty the Clown. This shoes. is why I think you were onto something with the fifty p because I think that's all you could store in there was like a fifty p. I, I like to think about how the person in marketing thought of these will be ideal for theme parks. <laughs> Crocs are disgusting, aren't they? They they are a Geneva war crime. Haven't you no, got a pair of Crocs? We've Keith? been here before. Yeah, I do own a pair. We talked of about Crocs. this off air, didn't we? Where Keith said that sandals are a worse fashion crime. Not than so- well, sandals, yes, are a crime against nature, but they're not as bad as flip flops. There is only one thing that is worse than Crocs in the fashion style, <laughs> and that is the sandals with individual toes. Flip flops are appalling. I, did, I, I don't know if I've told this story before on the show, but my mum wears flip flops around the house a lot. She, God, I, she'll never listen to this, so it's fine. But she, um, 
She went outstairs. Uh, she puts bread in the freezer, uh, and she went to the garage, tripped over a flip flop, and somehow managed to fall on the floor and land on the loaf and curl top of her head. <laughs> I got a frozen loaf because of flip flops. <laughs> Sorry, mom. It's classic. I can't wear flip flops. Because the gap in my toes is too big for me to stay on. <laughs> oh, you got bucket feet. <laughs> my big toe and my next toe have had an argument at some point, and there has been a blatant divorce where the little toe has taken the rest of the toes as the kids, <laughs> and the big toe is there, single, single dad, only visitation rights at the weekends, and there's a big gap in between. It's like he lives on the next street along and just looks longingly at the rest of the toes. As as we mentioned it, and I I don't know if Keith and Lee do know the classic story, but obviously you are. We kind of touched on it. Uh, we can't not tell the listeners. I mean, we probably have discussed this in the past, but if you are new to the show, this is uh, like the reason my back got done in. So I went to I went on holiday a few years ago. Gather with... round, children. <laughs> Settle in. It's going to be a long road. I went I went on holiday with um, my pet, my girlfriend's family um, a few years ago, and we stopped at a, ho- a holiday home. Um, my girlfriend couldn't get to sleep. Um, a family left her alone. A family, me- <laughs> a family member was snoring quite loudly. So Laura comes into the front room where I was sleeping on a put-up bed, and it's like, "Can I sleep in here?" Kindly, as a good boyfriend I am, I let her have the put-up bed. I slept on the sofa, which had a it was like two sofas put together, and there was like a bump between the two sofas. I slept on that all night, and then the next day. I uh, went down to play with Laura's dog with a ball and then realised my back was killing me. I moaned about it the whole way there. No one was taking me seriously. We got to the beach. I had some chips. I sat, lay down on a towel. I couldn't move. I complained for hours how I couldn't move. No one took me seriously. And then when it was time to go, I was like, no, seriously, I can't get up. And they had to call out uh, lifeguards who then eventually got paramedics to the beach for me. Uh, and had to get me up with gas and air because I could not get up off my back. And then I had to hobble around for the whole holiday with near enough damaged back. So did, I went back. Did to the pump. lifeguard carry you in a Baywatch-style motion up the beach? Help me up to a buggy, which I had to be escorted off on the beach. <laughs> Uh, whilst whilst my girlfriend was checking out the lifeguard, well, um, there's some disgruntled, moist donkeys from last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the beach. Um, and uh, my chips, my chips nearly got eaten by a bird. It was the whole. Like, uh, my back is permanently stuffed because of it. Uh, so that's how I had gas in there, Keith. Uh, that's why I needed it. Do you want to talk about the razor toast wall? Well, no, Shall we quickly yeah. cover it off? Is this Razer in relation to the Motorola phone of a similar No, Razer are a gaming peripheral mm. manufacturer and they uh, make laptops. Neil uh, Razer Ruddock. Yeah, they do lots of green, glowy stuff, basically. Oh, yeah, those ones. yeah. So, oh, yes, they yes. were insomnia, yes. I don't yes, know. they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, Razer CEO confirms development of the Razer toaster. It's okay if that doesn't make sense to you at all. By Oscar Gonzalez from CNET.com. After thousands of Facebook likes and dozens of tattoos, the fans have spoken and the Razor Toaster will become a reality. We're (laughs) waiting for the next part of this story. I just thought that was stunned silence when I said dozens of tattoos. A joke that started in 2013 led to the creation of the Give Us the Razor Toaster Please Facebook page and Razor CEO Mian... Min Liang Tan said the PC gaming hardware would create the toaster if the page acquired one million likes. 
Following up on the horseplay, Razor's 2016 April Fool's project was called Project Breadwinner, the first gaming-grade <laughs> kitchen appliance built for gamers <laughs> by gamers. Fans of the idea continue to support for the gaming-oriented kitchen appliance over the years, with a dozen even getting tattoos of the toaster. Sorry, can't gamers just use a regular toaster <laughs> like well, everybody else? This has got like LEDs and everything on it. So what? It's a toaster! <laughs> On Monday, Tan liked the page and confirmed in a Facebook post that Razor will begin development of the Razor toaster. For Christ's sake. All right, I didn't think we were going to do it, guys, but they did, Tan wrote. What can I say? I've officially liked their page and I'm going to put together my team of designers and engineers. It will take a few years, but I'm sure to share the progress and make the Razor toaster a community there. A Razor toaster for Razor toast lovers by Razor toaster lovers. I can't wait to see the abomination that this will be. This Tan YouTube video. Tan tweeted Thursday he's looking for partners to help with the design the toaster components. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's alright for my mom, she can defrost the uh, frozen loaf in this. <laughs> Kevin Allen, <laughs> related to Keith and Alfie and Lily, senior PR manager for Razor, said in an email Thursday there is no internal information yet about the toaster. However, there was at, at one time a prop that could burn the company logo onto the toast. So it's got lots of LEDs on it, basically. As someone who is not a particular fan of audacious PC hardware, this is just this just kills me inside. A <laughs> At least it's not got RGB, which seems to be the only thing that's on. <laughs> Toast, anyway. There's, a, there's an appropriate. Appropriately anime picture on the <laughs> website of a guy running down the street with toast in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a pretty extreme toaster, though, because yeah. it does a lot of things. It also does random stuff with your butter, apparently. I, I know. Which can be applied mid toast. I know it's going to do stuff like have an overclock button. I do like the, the, the page does seem to be promoting the game Iron Bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a real game. Also, apparently, gamers don't eat anything past brunch. Because uh, one of the questions in a survey they're running on the site at the moment is what is the most important meal of the day? Which has breakfast, second breakfast, elevenses, and brunch, which seems to be only. Is this page run by a hobbit? <laughs> brunch doesn't exist unless you live in London. Is this page is being run by Mary and Pippin? <laughs> is this what it is? Brunch is not a thing, and it never will be a thing. <laughs> Let's do brunch, guy. So this is an internet meme that's just gone too far. Yes. Like it's, most internet memes yeah. eventually do. It's like when Think Geek get like a stupid. April Fool's yeah. project into reality, which they do quite often, like the torn, torn sleeping bag that was back yeah. from a few years ago. Gamers were a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Time to move along. Netflix have been a bit different with their animation this year. They've 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 spread their wings a bit. They're dipping their toes in lots of different areas. Mm-hmm. One of the more curious things they've done is a range of shorts, which is called Love, Death, and Robots. Mm-hmm. Very animatrixy vibe I got from this. Yes. It's very all cyberpunk and very adult and mm-hmm. graphically adult mm-hmm. animation. <laughs> but I've not seen all of them, so I'm going to let Keith and Lee lead a bit more on this. Okay. So we've watched the full thing. Yes. Yep. All, all eighteen episodes. Yes. I've watched about six of them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think my favourite out of them was the second one. Which was uh, Three Robots, which was... Actually my favourite one I watched as well. Because it, unlike a lot of it, because a lot of the series, as you said, it's very adult, very mature, but that one was fun. 
and it had just three slightly sassy robots just <laughs> hanging out in a post-apocalyptic landscape and figuring out yeah. the people who came before them. I mean, the ones I watched it, as I said, reminded me of the Animatrix, quite reminded me of the Aeon Flux MTV's mm. dark anime mm-hmm. interpretation they used to do, late 90s. Mm-hmm. But, um, as you said, the three robots one, genuine humour, mm-hmm. and it was adult comedy done in a way yeah. that didn't have to say, oh, look, here's mm-hmm. blood and gore and mm-hmm. lots of dirtiness. Yeah. And robot swearing is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't done... To excess, no. yeah. which is quite interesting because I kind of gravitated to this a little bit because of the people involved in it. So David Fincher is one of the kind of big names yeah. behind it. Mm-hmm. So people know him from all kinds of different films, and then mm-hmm. Tim Miller, who probably people will know best from doing the first Deadpool yeah. movie. Um, so three Ro- three robots is a good standout episode. But I found myself gravitating more towards the stylized and or more comedic episodes. So mm-hmm. I kind of liked. There's one. Um, called Suits, which I quite mm. liked because it had got that kind of cell shady thing. The the kind of story telegraphed itself a little bit. The story the wasn't. Way through. The story was kind of generic, and yeah, you kind of knew where it was I going. I think that wasn't its strong point, but I think the visuals, like you said, were great. Yeah, I mean, The Witness, one of the ones I watched, that felt very much like that could be in something like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. It felt very video gamey that one. My feeling coming through. For the witness was that it felt like a late nineties music video, yeah, the sort of thing that would be on MTV too, but like nine nine ten pm, in amongst you know, with all the like nine inch nails. Sort of yeah, it did of. feel a little bit of like what was kind of like Network Seven kind of yeah, late night yeah. Channel Four thing. And I think what I, I what I didn't like about those particular episodes was leaning too heavily on the idea of like, yeah, we're adults, so mm. adult equates to. A bit of a bit of uh, naughtiness, a bit mm. of uh, gratuitous violence, a bit of swearing, and it's like, well, we didn't need it. And also, some of them, some of the ones that kind of lent too heavily towards the um, Final Fantasy Spirits Within style of like yeah. hideously over realistic computer mm. graphics, where you just thought, I think, why didn't you shoot it with actors? This is kind of the problem I had with the Aquila Rift one, which yeah. was that was the last one I watched I in think, the series, and I think that's where I stopped. I think, like, story-wise, I was okay with it, but I think, like, visually, it was just... It looked weird, because they were yeah. going so hard towards that photorealistic thing, but it didn't quite get there. Yeah, and it, it kind of is a bit weird, because you, can, you when you get things like, kind of, uh, the stuff that uh, Neil Bonkamp's done with Oat Studios, and yeah. to a certain extent, some of the kind of Halo miniseries that they've done, where they've kind of had the kind of CG realistic backgrounds, yeah. but with real actors in worked a lot better. And then it got, it got really bad towards the end um, with the, I mean, final fish night was one I really liked because it was very simple and beautifully animated. That there was, was really good. nothing to that story, but was just mm-hmm. a visual treat. And I really liked that. And it yeah. had again, that slightly cell shaded look kind of in a, in a sense, kind of re- the kind of look of, Something like Borderlands, I think, is the graphic had that win. Sort of look to it. Yeah. Um, but the, the final one, which kind of just seemed to go on for ages, oh, yeah. uh, and was just the, just just seemed to be like this is it seemed to be the longest episode, and just seemed to be so the work not the best episode to end the series on because I was kind of like maybe I'm not that bothered. one and Shapeshifters, the one about the werewolves. That one, both of those felt like they were video game cutscenes mm. without a video game to be yeah. part of. Well, what I, I did... really loved, which 
a lot of neither of you have mentioned yet is when the yogurt took over mm-hmm. because I I loved the oddball humor of that one. Yeah, and it it kind of I kind of had mixed feelings towards that one. I think it just made me chuckle, it, and that it was, looked great, and it yeah. had like I think it just and there's something about it. I was like. Okay, yeah. Sure. You can tell it was an absurd line that somebody's written yeah. down and then ri- written the script backwards but, from that. But the thing that I liked about it was the narrator because it was Maurice Lamarche. Yeah, yeah, just doing the, his brain voice. Brain. I think I think they 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 definitely lumped into distinct uh, categories. Groups. Yeah. So something like when the yogurt took over, to a certain extent, Ice Age, and most definitely alternate histories. Yeah. Definitely lumped into this slightly kind of like it's a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more kind of um, yeah. looser. I'd say suits would have fitted into that one because I found like there was humour underneath. Oh, yeah. Suits. yeah, I think, um, mm-hmm. but it was it was the most non-cartoony of, yeah. of mm-hmm. those ones. Although yeah. Ice Age was kind of a um, uh, was it live action or were they CGI <laughs> Topher Graces and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsteads? I'm not quite certain yet because mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking. They look real, but I haven't looked up to see whether they were actually live action or whether they were CGI recreations, which would be kind of interesting. This is the thing that I like when you get an anthology series because everybody will have their favourite, and there'll be there's usually a benchmark critically acclaimed one. I think Zima Blue's the one that everybody's been writing about how it's amazing and it's like mm-hmm. the new version of Black Mirror but animated. Yeah, I think Zima Blue was an interesting one, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. I liked the look. But it ultimately was disappointed by where the story ended up. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the emotional impact I think it was aiming for. Yeah, I think that's it, probably it what wasn't, my issue it is. Wasn't, it was funny watching something like 2001, a few weeks later, this kind of slightly expansive story that's trying to crystallise the meaning of existence and the yeah. human experience and the kind of like, it just ends up, Going somewhere, I'm like, oh, See, I'm say, kind of a little bit disappointed in the end of that. I'd say that up short, which everybody raves about at Pixar, which is when you got um, the main guy, can I remember his name, and Ellie growing up, yeah, for their life story. That Carl I think Fredrickson. that, yeah, I think that is their that is pretty much the best interpretation I've seen of what is the meaning of mm. life, what is love, and I think that is pretty much like your benchmark one. Yeah. If you're mm-hmm. going to go for something like that, you're going to have to try and hit that barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I did like about the whole series was was this was the opportunity to have eighteen different stories, yeah. eighteen different. Yeah. Generally, there wasn't any kind of repeat of a style or yeah. a theme, yeah. and I and I really liked that. It's you could watch one. You know, kind of eighteen twenty minutes was kind of the longest we were getting. Yeah. So you could kind of go, yeah, I'm not that bothered. But the next one. Yeah, so if I, I was kind of di- float your boat. The next one's coming. Yeah, up. I mean, I kind of did do it in kind of three episode bursts. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't kind of stuck with kind of I think, three boring yeah. episodes yeah. in a row. I think this isn't one you can binge watch. I said I watched the first mm-hmm. six episodes in one blast, and then I haven't gone back. Yeah, I think, and I think that's probably why is because it was kind of like mm-hmm. trying to cram too much variance in story. Yeah. This is why I'm looking forward to Twilight Zone. Coming mm-hmm. back because I think having half an hour, forty-five minute yeah. anthology series where you're doing a full tale yeah. is going to work really nice. I do, I do like the anthology idea, and I'd like to see them explore things a little bit more 
Oh, I think, I think it's already weird. been confirmed that there's another series coming. Because I kind of feel like it really appeals to me the idea of things like a, th- a Tharg future shock or those kind of things that you used to get in kind of 2000 ADs or um, some of the British um, kind of comics where you'd just have this short three-page, pa- three four-page story mm-hmm. um, that could kind of hit and then, you know, one might be us. And I'd maybe expand the... Um, the love death robots thing and take it a little bit out. I, yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing more kind of short horror bits yeah. mm-hmm. with the animation. So, so maybe spread it out a little bit, do something a little bit weirder and a yeah, little bit more kind of. Because um, only one of them was really like straight horror, and that was the the vampire one. Yeah, which I kind of I kind of like that one as mm-hmm. well. That was kind of a cool one. I very I kind of enjoyed that one. In a, yeah. it was like a, it felt very campy seventies mm-hmm. British. Vampire mm. rather than actually something full out horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt actually very Hellboy. It felt like this could be a Hellboy BRPD. The good Hellboy. Yeah, it felt yeah. like it could be a BRPD short. Yeah, and it was quite funny. I think um, the the yogurt one as well reminded yeah. me of some classic kind of eighties B movie yeah. type things. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it wasn't long after. I think is it uh, Larry Cohen? Yeah, uh, who'd done a film called The Stuff, which is about yeah. But it's again, that was a rip off yogurt. of fifty B. Yeah, the blob and all yeah. the rest of it. So I kind of like that. But yeah, that was kind of cool. So I'd, I'd, I'd kind of like them to continue doing it because I'm not. If one doesn't hit, yeah, another yeah. one will. So I, I quite, I quite applauded the fact that they did try something that was and lots of different tastes. And it's good to have something like that because you can have so many different people come on board and just do yeah weird, interesting things, and and you can pick out some great coming animators who yeah. probably aren't going to get a full season exactly. somewhere else so yeah. this gives you a chance All right, to wrap us up favourite short um, I think I've already said it's uh, Three Robots I think I think it's a toss between Three Robots and when the yoghurt took over for me because mm. I just love that off kilter humour mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to if I'm, if I'm going to have to come down to it I'm going to go for the episode that features a scruffy looking red headed bloke uh, in a mech suit uh, so uh, yeah I kind of liked suits a little bit it was kind of cool um, yeah I, I think you had some cool. genuine love for the characters by the end of it <laughs> which is really good for 15 20 yeah, minutes yeah, short yeah. to build up this character history mm-hmm. yeah yeah, but I think hats off Netflix thanks mm-hmm. for supporting something a bit different yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd certainly recommend you, you take, a, take a look because if one doesn't float your boat another one will be along shortly yeah, that will definitely. yeah plastic vinyls there seems to be more than you could possibly imagine of these and we're thinking as it reached breaking point so apparently there is over 17,000 variations of the Funko Pop in the world that's a big number yes Mm -hmm. why are they popular still because I thought this was going to be a bit of a craze and it's going to have fizzled out by now, but comic book shops across the land, even places like Primark, seem to have walls and walls of these plastic pop vinyls. I think price point is one of the defining factors. It's a pretty good price point for what you're getting, and I think at this point, Coronation Street is 
possibly the only <laughs> franchise that hasn't got a pop final range. Well, and EastEnders. I mean, if there were, I would totally buy Phil Mitchell and Ian Beale ones. <laughs> no, that would be a double set with the chip shop as a background. Oh, no, it'd be the, like, the moment when like Ian's crying next to Phil, like, I've got nothing left! I mean, something like EastEnders would be brilliant for Funko, because you could do the vintage range, so you could have the Nick down. Berry, the kind of Wixie range, the, <laughs> the, the tall guy with the flat top that used to be in it I can't remember who that was Michael French no he had the he had the glasses Beppe no this is long 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 time ago he was tall kind of geeky weird looking Nigel no this is like this. we're talking Barry. early 80s Ian not Wixie he had, a, he had a funny name like that I can't remember who he is well, this is the thing I think there's like at least over 200 300 separate franchises now of Funko Pops mm. I mean there's Fortnite Funko Pops Star Wars, Marvel, DC. I bought Laura and John Oliver one. <laughs> this is what I mean. There seemed to be like I think no end. I know there's a Conan O'Brien Funko Pop. This is the thing, though. The problem I have with there being so many is that once you've gone past things like Marvel and Star Wars and you start going to things like Supernatural, yeah. where no one really has a distinctive look, that's where I kind of have a problem with Funko. Well, they're all the same bread-headed thing, aren't they? Yeah. It looks like a loaf of bread with a pair of eyes slapped onto it. But at least like with things like Marvel, there's like distinctive costumes and, and things like that. And you're always going to be able to tell when it's Darth Vader in that sort of shape. But how well, do I mean, you... I'd like to hope so, yeah. yeah. But like, how do you tell... <laughs> distinctive helmet. How do you tell the two brothers from Supernatural apart when they're both put into that shape? You know? They've got different haircuts. But again, like it's really hard to sort of engage that just from looking at them. I mean, there's a royal family set, so you can get Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, Post Malone, Colonel oh. Sanders. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, that that's reminded me though of like, if there's a Prince William one, then make sure that you don't sell it next to the Fortnite ones. The Emoji Movie. <laughs> I mean, I think the worst one I've seen. And probably quite a lot of people agree is the Dory one from Finding Dory, which is... I mean, yeah, it's just a flat square. <laughs> I mean, they do... I mean, they're not stupid, the way they produce them, because they do vault them occasionally. Yeah. So they don't they don't release, like, billions and billions and billions, although the entertainers seem to have 20 billion Tron glow-in-the-dark ones at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, but it, So there are certain ones that, are, that don't sell, and there are yeah. ones that become, like, very sought-after. Well, this um, is the thing. You also get chase versions. You get yeah. con exclusives. Mm-hmm. I mean, people pay lots and lots of dollars for some of the more exclusive yeah. Funko Pops. Yeah, you get the loot crate exclusives, which end up being sold everywhere anyway. <laughs> yeah, a loot rate exclusive to me is the one that ends up in the bargain basement, and everybody get everybody's got one. I mean, I've got some weird ones. Uh, I've got Gigantor. I've got uh, one of the box shoe from the box trolls. I've got a yeah. John Wick one. Uh, I've got a Howard the Duck, but not Howard the Duck in the crazy mechanical suit that somehow seems to be everywhere. Um, so I think at certain points you kind of get quite cool um, little figures that you kind of mm-hmm. kind of and they're pitched at the right kind of price. Yeah. you think I, I look 10, at a ten to fifteen quid. Isn't yeah, it? I look at a, a Star Wars Black Series figure or a NECA Godzilla, and I'm looking at kind of twenty five, thirty, forty quid. And they, although they're nice, you, you know, I think oh, I can, you know, I can. Mm-hmm. Say for somebody to, you know, when when somebody's going, it makes me sound like I'm seven. But when somebody goes, oh, what do you fancy for your birthday? This is like, you know, somebody who, who 
has no idea what to buy you. You can just go, oh yeah, just get me the this. Yeah, it's a, it's a cheap gift for you for someone you don't know what that, to buy. That's for. exactly what I was going to say. Is it's sorry, Sam. It is. <laughs> it's the. I know they kind of like this franchise, mm-hmm. and it's a tenner. Yeah. And I can't get him anything decent for a ten pounds. I, th- I think so, stocking filler. So here's a Funko Pop for like here's Renly Baratheon Game of Thrones <laughs> Funko Pop. I think most of the Funkos I have were gifts. Yeah. So yeah, that does hold up. And I mean, they are mm-hmm. usually they are quite detailed, apart from the head. So the, the little tiny body is usually quite nicely detailed. Mm. I mean, there is some nice variants that you can get. Although, although I will say that the uh, the reboot Lara Croft one, because they changed the pose, it doesn't stand up properly. <laughs> but this, this is the thing is that I think it is the perfect lazy gift. I mean, like I've got some. I've my, you know, some, yeah. some. I like picking like iconic, like you know, cool stuff. So, like, my favourite one I've got is uh, my one of Cher Horowitz from Clueless, because obviously she's in a famous yellow mm-hmm. checkered outfit. And that mm-hmm. you, you see that, and you're instantly like, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. That's cool. David S. Pumpkins. I've got David S. Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob from Twin Peaks. Like, I like having, like, maybe one select character. I don't like collecting the whole set, but I like having a select character. Mm-hmm. Laura's got a lovely um, Game of Friends dragon that she won courtesy <laughs> of the show when you chose the competition winner. <laughs> my girlfriend. <laughs> That was randomly drawn. <laughs> um, I was looking in GameSpot and they picked some of the, the worst ones here. Oh, it's funny that, because I've got that article. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> that, like, give them some promotion. So what, what are they considering the worst Funko Pops? So, Carol Danvers on Motorcycle. Okay. Uh, Butters from South Park. Okay. Because he looks really sad. He does look okay, sh- well, show me the pictures as you go past them. Uh, Bicycle Girl from Walking Dead. Is <laughs> Everdeen the girl on fire? <laughs> Literally, yeah. uh, in that version. Uh, Mrs. Potts and Chip from Beauty and the Beast. Look, this is like the new Beauty and the Beast, so where they look really yeah, they're not this, quite cute enough. Yeah, they, this really? looks like some body horror yeah. version of it. It looks like David Lynch has got hold of yeah. Mrs. Potts and Chip. At I mean, this, one. this is tragic Dumbo with clown makeup. <laughs> False God Superman. Which is the statue That's from the Batman. Statue. <laughs> One from Valerian. I like that film, but what is a dog and daggers? I think he's a person. Looks like a weird ass duck. Donkey, Shrek. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear has no face. <laughs> <laughs> he ki- looks like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix where they like take his mouth away. <laughs> the cast of The Mummy, the new version of The Mummy. Oh yeah, because everyone was rushing out for merchandise for that movie. Yes. Sai uh, in the Gangnam Style pose that we know and love. See that the head on that one doesn't look like that doesn't look like a genuine Funko. Yeah. Mrs. Featherstone, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Goofy is he looks Oh what is going on with Goofy? <laughs> Goofy has been possessed. Oh, he's uh he's he's gone a bit too uh far is, with Is that the, some um... sort of weird Kingdom Hearts variant? Uh this is my favourite. Bad Ape from War for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> what is it? Although I'm looking at that and that's it's, actually it's, quite a good sculpt. I quite, quite like that. Good that's kinda of cool. But just oh bad ape. I mean there is a lot of pointless things. I mean there must be I I I think I know from um 
popping into a few shops and, and, and various um, conventions, there must be somewhere in the region of 150 Batman variants. Yeah. Mm. Uh, for I mean, just like, one character. I worry, like, because obviously I like buying Laura on these as a gift stuff, and then obviously the Lion King remake coming out. Like, am I going to have to buy her a more realistic looking Simba <laughs> than the one I've already got her? Like, am I going to have to buy like a genuine looking Timon and Pumba here? Yeah. But uh, I think. For me, I, I I quite like a Funko. I've got a I've got a a, a large size. No, one. I bet you do. I've got a large I've got a large one. <laughs> I, I know I, the oversized Godzilla, but I like like most of my like most of my collectibles. I do like to get them out of the packaging and put them on display. I'm getting really hot under the collar here. So I kind of like I kind of like my Funkos are on a, like a shelf. Like me out of the box, do you, Keith? Yeah, I, I've got them on. I've got them on display out of the box, so people people could pick them up and have a look at them. But I do know, I do know there is a proliferation of of because it's not just the Funko that's that, that's a big market. You've got people now that sell plastic boxes to put the plastic boxes of the Funkos into to protect them. And there's a whole thing. I've seen a whole thing about like you know I've people some... selling them. And the, the the thing the thing about it is not the what's in the box. Nobody the really box. gives a monkeys about what's in the box. They're like everything's got a pristine unsealed no stickers on all the rest of it so you think come on this is getting a bit silly i have a signed manu bennett deathstroke from arrow because when we first started watching arrow i got viva funko pop and then it just kind of have you is the funko signed or is it the box it's the box well you're trying to get an interview of the show at the same time so you probably have to get was a lovely lovely chap after you turn up three hours late I was in that queue a very long time. He had got to come a long way, though, hadn't he? Yeah, from the Hilton. (laughs) But anyway, it was a nice chap to me at the time, when he finally turned up. He treated you well, did he? Yes. (laughs) But I think it's starting to come to an end now, the faddiness of it. I mean, there is not many big franchises left that they can coin and mint stuff out of. I'm sure they'll find something we're already seeing, like you're saying, about the, the many, many Batman variants. It's yeah. just like... Oh, here's Batman, but blue glittery. It's like, so as long as there's different versions of the characters. like Yeah. I mean, the fact that I brought up Lara Croft, I have two Lara Crofts. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to buying Sam and Diane from Cheers, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to buying Fraser's dad. <laughs> God damn it, Niles. <laughs> I'm Leonard. But based on the Funko trajectory, there will be the Cheers set at some point. Yeah. There'll be the Fraser set. You know, they might do yeah. a limited run. Well, there's no new them... franchises coming out, so they're having to go back in time. George, the George Costanza. <laughs> The the Doctor Smith from the original Lost in the Space. I'm quite looking. I'm quite looking forward to the two pack Euro Trash set uh, with Jean Paul Gaultier. And and, um... I totally would buy that. I would definitely buy that. If they released Peepy and Popo, you would buy Peepy and Popo as well. Sit on my lap. Wow. Would you have Euro the Trash? Oh, that's a whole new conversation. The, the giant variant would be Lolo Ferrari. Only, only if like it had some kind of like, like... Well, Eddie Wally as well. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I, I would also, I wouldn't mind a uh, kind of like um, uh, Terry Christian word. Um, <laughs> the well, man in the bathtub full of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Special convention exclusive. I mean, there's a lot of untapped British uh, Funko opportunities here that would sell well in this country. So now, now, Jeremy I'm just, Kyle. now I'm just imagining a Richard O'Brien from Crystal Maze. <laughs> <laughs> the one show collection with Matt Baker and Alex Jones. Occasionally, occasionally with like an extra bonus Funko of Giles Brandworth. I mean, it's going to happen. The Google box... 
uh, set, like season one. I don't watch the show. I don't know what it's called. I just see the I mean, first few letters. Like, Funkos of the Siddiquis and <laughs> <laughs> the Tapper family. And if you collect them all, you can turn the boxes into a giant TV for them to watch. Yeah. Well, I am just surprised by their astounding longevity and being still the thing of the time. Hmm. It must be so cheap to make, that is all I can think. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be the same base every single time. Yeah. Just sticking stuff to it. Yeah. I mean, it's just blown plastic at the end of the day, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) There's a whole other range of uh, action figures there. To quote Laura Sumner, 2019. Laura Sumner is guys of the half. (laughs) Just not some random person that we're quoting. Not related to Sting. Dr. Laura Sumner, to give her a full title. Guy, this album is effing boring. I was listening to the album Monster by R.E.M. Released on the 27th of September 1994 on Warner Brothers Records. It was the ninth studio album from the American band R.E.M. Led by Michael Stipe. 25 years since this album was released. Most commonly found record in charity shops, apparently. There's a reason why. I'm pretty sure you guys are all going to lay into it. It's boring, as in the way root canal surgery is boring. Let's uh, let's let's try and look at some positive sides of it first. I've had root canal surgery, and uh, this is worse. I, I can give one positive straight off the bat, and that is the fact that one of the songs... It finishes? One of the, well, <laughs> I didn't listen to the end, but um, there's one song on there which ended up as part of a Weird Al polka medley, so therefore that's the good good thing. <laughs> I'm gonna, I wanted to do this about R.E.M.'s Monster. I am a massive R.E.M. fan. I never used to like them growing up. I really struggled with them. But then I got to a point in my teens where I, they finally clicked with me. Um, obviously, the R.E.M. started off as a college radio band in the 80s. They released numerous albums. And it took them years and years to get any kind of recognition. It was only when, like... It's the end of the world, as we know, the one I love sort of got more and more exposure and that people start to hear the name more and they got signed to Warner Brothers and obviously you had you know, the big hits on Out of Time, Trying Happy People, Lose My Religion and then the big monster behemoth that was Automatic for the People came out with everybody's favourite sad soppy bloody, you know, comic relief soundtrack in Everybody Hurts, which I honestly, I, I love R.E.M., but I absolutely hate that song. It is just nothing but bleak and miserable. But that is, a, it's a classic album, you know, you've got great songs like Man on the Moon, The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, and that had that kind of like country, country rock, Americana sound that they, they're famous for, that everybody knows, you know, it's familiar, as soon as you hear it, you know an R.E.M. song. Then you get to Monster, which was the follow-up to the massive selling automatic for the people. And it seems to me that this was a band in crisis where they were, wanting to retain their college radio roots to try and appeal to the youth and the college radio of America again. And they've tried to do that by somewhat creating a grunge record. It's, it's a hard listen, and now I ask you guys to listen to it, and you, none of you seem to mm-hmm. like it on first listen. But I feel that this is a record that you need to spend some time with. It's not immediate, but it's it's a solid entry that doesn't deserve the hate that it got or is about to get. Right. I'm not an REM fan, I will admit it. I have never voluntarily, until having to listen to this mm-hmm. album, sought their music out. 
I find themselves so far up their own self-important bottoms that they think their music is revelatory and world-changing, and Michael Stipe is just seems like a bit of a knob, really, to See, me. I, I thought I was about to be harsh towards them, but you feel so much worse about them than I do. <laughs> I just find them to be a band which has such an inflated view about how amazing their music is that it just automatically turns me off. I, I can't stand shiny happy people. I can't stand most of their stuff. Man on the Moon I will have to listen to, and I don't mind it. The The rest of the music, I can't stand Michael Stipe's voice. It's just bad music to me. But I feel like you're saying that you, that's the stuff of theirs you can cope with, and I feel that's the stuff of theirs that they were always fighting against, and they made it. And then tried to so so much distance themselves from that sound after they did it because it's quite clear they didn't like what they were doing and what they've been had been pigeonholed into, and I feel like this album is a a reaction to that. See, this is sort of like my view of REM has always been they've made some really good songs, things like Losing My Religion and Man on the Moon, but outside of like a lot of those big songs, I find them to just be consistently mediocre, and just nothing to them I, for, for me personally I feel like Monster is the album that gave R.E.M. a turning point I feel that R.E.M.'s later work as they became maybe less relevant was actually some of their stronger work when they started to experiment more and not just try and be the big radio friendly hits and stuff, you know when you get to like New Adventures and Hi-Fi which followed this up that's an experimental record in a way mm-hmm. and it's, it's probably their best record and you get to Up, again another misunderstood record of theirs which is really solid, and I feel from this point onwards, they started taking more risks as a band. And you know, whilst always being successful, they they were trying this to. Doesn't feel like a risk though. This feels like they found a distortion pedal in the back of the studio <laughs> and decided to write an entire album around. Yeah, no, it. I agree. I do agree with you in some ways that, the, the, like I said, they are trying to imitate the grunge sound for for their fan base. You know, they are they were probably heavily associated with you know, associating with bands like. Pixies and Pearl Jam at the time, you know, Nirvana. This was the whole big scene at the time. And naturally, it's like, if any band is mildly successful, they want to jump on a bandwagon of sounding of something that sounds like... Sonic Youth did it, but Sonic Youth, it was they, they were accepted and they were cool. And I, I, I'd say that there's a, a totally different thing with how Sonic Youth work in relation to somebody like R.E.M. Well, they're, saying they're not commercially successful because, that much. Because, uh, yeah, I think it's a different thing for somebody like Sonic Youth. Their sound is pretty distinctive throughout their history, regardless of what they're doing. I mean, my first R.E.M. album was Green. I was a bit, I really liked Orange Crush. That was really good. I think what, what happened... I thought what happened to R.E.M. is what happens to a lot of bands, is that they got to a point where they were declared the greatest band in the world and then went off the rails. In, in similar ways to, 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 to like uh, bands like U2, when they got declared, like, oh, this is the greatest album ever made, Joshua Tree, they went and got made the most self-indulgent, awful rubbish that they'd ever created in their career. Now, this particular album, Monster, is... what? What's the frequency, Kenneth? Is an okay song. That's a it's great, a possibly great... the only song on this album that is worth listening to. It's because a... mm-hmm. there's a bit of an indicator here on how bad this album is. Because the cover looks like it's got a picture of a cat that's had to listen to the album. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's even it's like focus. Oh my god! Uh, what have I listened to? Also, randomly, it seems to be because I've called it up on um, 
iTunes, just to, to re- recall the names of the, uh, the tracks, it's priced at the most random way. It's £11.88. That's bizarre. Which is really weird. It's I mean, you go like, to a charity shop, it'd be 25p. But <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't, why iTunes? Is, and there's no reviews for it on there at all either. Well, you say but, about what's the Riggsy Kenneth... I actually think that's one of the best singles R.E.M. ever produced. Mm. Like, it comes as, I think if you listen to the best of R.E.M., it's like track four on there, after after some of the automatic for the people, out of time stuff. That kicks in, and instantly that's kind of like, it's a bit of a breath of fresh air. It's kind of, it felt like, it felt like R.E.M. It's a great song. I would DJ that song. It's people know it. it it's got a good riff. It's it's a it's a catchy it's, song. It's, it's a great song. Mm. But then you've got King of Comedy, which sounds like something that even Mike Myers and Dane and Carvey wouldn't d- deign to put on a Wayne's World soundtrack. <laughs> but I feel it is awful. It is just noise. But it's just it's experimenting. No- they it's are not moving. experimenting. It's, it's not- noise. It's it's somebody's bashed that out over half an hour. I'll, I'll sort I went, of- that'll do. I'll, this is where I'm coming out from. So I, I have some like separate notes on a separate page, but I left two pages in which to write notes. I filled half a page because I ultimately... And I was going to do like song by song, an opinion on each song. I stopped being able to tell where one song finished and another one began. It's not really that experimental if every song just blurs together into this just dirge. Yeah. See, I only feel this is mo- R.E.M.'s most... I guess sunny album other than reveal. I, f- I don't know if the lyric, lyric lyrically it's upbeat, but like in terms of the music, I feel this is like quite an upbeat sounding REM record when no. they actually usually sound quite depressing. If I was having electro shock therapy, perhaps <laughs> I might feel that way. Like, no, as, this... as I've said, I'm not an REM fan. This has definitely put me off even worse, and I've never voluntarily. I listened. mean, and... outside of what's the frequency, Kenneth, the rest of it's just a dirge. Yeah, it's, it's just sonically. It's, it's, I'm gonna it's lazy. Terrible. I'm gonna disagree with this because I think there are actually some real strong songs here. That the Star sixty nine, which comes I think about track five, which is really like quite fast, upbeat, and quite punky, and, and like short. Which is its most redeeming feature. It's a great, it's a great little song. I feel like it gets lost in like the REM catalogue, and I do feel that like they've tried to revisit this sound later on the album Accelerate, um, Tongue, which is like around track seven. I That's said that a was lovely okay, song, apart from that awful falsetto. falsetto. The work, the music works fine. That falsetto makes it an awful song. Let me in. I've got as more switch me off. Let me in is amazing. I like. And that is one of the best songs on the record. Bang and Bliss is the only one where I've said at least it's not feeling like somebody's sticking something in my ear that I do not want this. That was the that was the exact point that I stopped listening to the album, but that's because when it got to the chorus I was like, Alright, now I need to listen to that weird Al Polka medley. <laughs> See, I only feel like like as as not maybe Ma- Keith maybe knows more of Arium, I suppose you two have said you've never mm. really bothered with them. As someone who's listened to all of their records I will outright say they've made some worse record, much worse records. I mean, was it two thousand and two thousand and three or two thousand two's Around the Sun is an absolute stinker of a record, and even they admit it themselves. It's an appalling record. Yeah, it's dull it's and it's great. dragging. And it's like when you when you compare that to this, this monster is well above. I think I think a little bit of this. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Ryan or or, or Lee have got. The, the idea that what Michael Strike was trying to do with this album as well was he was trying to go a little Bowie in it with that the songs are uh, versions of him. They're like characters mm. that he's trying to portray different but, aspects of, of his They all sound the same. <laughs> which, is, which is, I think, is why it doesn't work because it's like 
there's no defining. There's not. No. It's not like you can instantly tell a, a Aladdin Sane from a Ziggy Stardust from a, a Thin White Duke. It's totally different. Mm. This album yeah. doesn't. He doesn't do anything in there, either vocally or lyrically. That leads you to believe that he's telling this interwoven story of. I different don't know characters. if it's the mixing, but that guitar overpowers everything. I think yeah. I, th- I feel at this point though, like um, Peter Buck has been potentially ridiculed in the press for his jangly guitar, which has always been a staple of REM. Well, it's and always he's mandolin got, and the. But he's, 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 he's removed that, and that completely goes against what makes people appealed. Or find that REM appealing that but jangly guitar. from the band is that they they were sick of being REM at this point, and they wanted to be something different. They wanted to be what was cool and, cool and contemporary at the time, which was that that sort of louder, rockier sound. You know, this was the high point. Of like, never mind. But, like, but it me, sounds we like don't need it. It sounds like a dad band trying to play the songs of today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at, th- at that point in time, we did not need REM doing that because Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, mm-hmm. are, uh, and, and all these genuinely grunge bands were doing that sound. We didn't need REM rebelling to against... try and do it. Against it's, REM, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But and, I, and it was better. I, I, do, I do genuinely feel they like... Like, given you know what I know about REM, they always have been quite a shy and reserved band. Like, Stipe never really liked being the front front man. Mm. And I feel that, like, ultimately, somehow, this was them as a band saying, we really just want to be the college radio rock band again. And this is if this is the sound we've got to do to be that band again, this is what we're going to do. But they'd already gone for the mainstream market at this point. You can't try and erase your popularity and success by going back to what you were doing 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's never going to work because the people who are your mainstream listeners, they're going to fall out of love with you pretty damn quickly. And the people who are your fans back in the college era are just going to say, what is this dross? Mm-hmm. Because they haven't kept they haven't kept up with their fans with this. They've looked at the sound of now and tried to apply it to their audience of then and it don't work. So you guys all hated it then. Um, I'd say hate is a is too strong a term. It, you know, it starts off well. Kenneth is a, is a is a good song, and then just descends into something that just doesn't isn't REM. Yeah, I think I don't really hate it. It's hard to have much of an opinion on it because it just it's just kind of there. Yeah, I don't hate REM. I, I'm not a fan. It is the equivalent of toast it's you're happy to eat it if it's there but if there's other options on the table mm. the toast is going to look very plain I, f- I feel for me with this album now coming up to 25 years this year um it's not a vital entry in the rem catalog obviously you're looking at your you know you're looking at out of time, automatic for the people, new adventures in hi-fi. I'd say later. It's funny you reveal. mention out of time because that is pretty much the album which they think changed the world in their eyes for the whole rock the vote thing. In but America. they don't like that album. No, but the whole thing was Warner used that to sell rock the vote because they knew it was going to be a popular mm. album, and that's what they're known for is more the politicised aspect of their music rather than the music itself. Well, well, I, I do think though that it, I think if you are. If you're a casual listener of REM, this isn't the one. Stick to Automatic for the People. It's got the big songs. It's R- it's REM. Everything about REM, if, in a if, nutshell, it is what that band is meant to be. 
but I think that if you are intrigued about REM and you liked those albums and you liked some of the college radio stuff and you want and you're you're following then transition, you want to listen to the career. Monster is an important album because it does lead you to the next stage of album. It prepares you for an album like New Adventures and Hi-Fi, which is more of a challenge to listen, but a far better record. It's like they refined took what they learned from Monster and made a better record by re-injecting what is known of REM sound with some of the style of Monster. And I feel that, like, it, for me, it's a transitional record. I enjoyed listening to it again. Some of the tracks, I've forgotten how good they were when I when I first heard it. Some of them, yeah, they don't stand out. You, Circus Envy, they are they are dull. Um, I feel, what I, what, the vibe I got from it when I put it on is when I got to the track Strange Currencies, and that was probably the most telling track, is I almost feel they started with that track. That was the start point of the record, and they made Everybody Hurts Part 2. And then they realised that that's not what they wanted to do, and they didn't want to be the band who were known for Everybody Hurts, so then tried to do something different. They kept the song on the ra- on the record because they knew potentially they'd get a lot of airplay from a song that sounded like Everybody Hurts, but I feel that they made it, panicked, and made this record. So to me, this is just a musical version of Distraction, the game show with Jimmy Carr, and it was basically, <laughs> how long can I actually stand to listen to this? Mm-hmm. That's where I got to with this. I wasn't enjoying any second of it past what's the frequency came in. Yeah, I think it's an album as well that is better regarded in America. But I think when it was reviewed at the time, it got glowing reviews in America, but the British music press, it was kind of, it was kind of average. So whether it's just kind of, whether it's a, a, to British ears, it's a little bit kind of like, oh, okay, don't, it's not that good a, a sound. It was the beginning of the end of R.E.M., it just feels like there's no genuineness to the album. It feels like they're doing a pastiche of what their mates are doing. That is what it felt like to me. I recommend you listen to it and form some opinions on it. Uh, o- o- overall, <laughs> REM, REM are a great band. There's some great stuff to find them out back catalogue. Yep. Um, if you really, if you're struggling with this, move on to New Adventures and Hi-Fi. It's a much better record. And we'll talk about that 25 years when that comes mm-hmm. out. Nope. <laughs> You've had your one REM album and you wasted it on Monster. Who am I? Who, 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 who? A loser? It's Geese. Geese? 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 It's Guy's dream, Geese. Yeah, that's what we are as a couple. It's Geese. Who's <laughs> shipping me and Guy? That's him. <laughs> Okay. Go on then. So it's that game where you give you five clues about a person and you have to guess who it is and then if you guess it at a higher point, you, you, you stake your claim and if you, I'll ask you after, if you think you've got it, then yeah, you get the points. <laughs> so well if, you, if you think, if you yeah. think by if the you time... If you bet early, you've got more chance of winning, basically. So, which, so... which I think there's a, 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 an intrinsic flaw to this. Yeah. That if you can, you can bet in early, then still get the rest of the clues and go. Oh, I changed my mind actually, and get it right a second time. So I think we need. There's a different way of scoring it. I think. I think it's when you commit. That's it. Is yeah, that, you've got. You to, forget you, what you've yeah. hear after that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. You ready? Right, let's go for it. Ryan, yeah. don't, Ryan, the answers are visible to you, so don't I've look. Turned away. Turned look. away. I've turned Hide away. your cards, guy. Okay. Number. There's six of these. Six. Okay. Oh, so are they real or fake? I'll tell you. Okay. okay. Character. I took someone's place for five points. The takers? Nope. Not going to go for it. Four points. My love interest has a common common name spelt wrong. 
No tokens? No, I'm not going to go. Okay. Three-pointer. I was in two tournaments. I'm going to go with... Ryan's going in. Keith Lee. No, I'm drawing a blank. Okay. And two. People consider me revolutionary. <laughs> final point? No, I don't. No. You want the final one? Yeah, let's go for one point. I am good at archery. It's like, how, what? How else can this be? Do you want the other? Do you want the clues again? Yeah, go from the okay. top. I took someone's place. My love interest has a common name spelt wrong. I was in two tournaments. People consider me revolutionary. I am good at archery. Okay, I'm gonna. I, I will guess at one point. Lee. Mm. Oh, you, you, you. I've got. I've got a guess, but it's, I don't okay. know how right it is. Ryan, you you were the first to stake your claim, so let's see if you get the points in this. It's uh, from Hunger Games, in it. It's Jennifer Lawrence or Katniss Everdeen. It was Katniss Everdeen, or as she's known from the press tournament video I had to watch once, Cat Piss Never Cleans her <laughs> nickname on the ship because she used to go off and have a wee in the woods because she couldn't be bothered to walk back to a trailer. <laughs> Lovely. So Ryan got the three points there. Keith and Lee got nothing, unfortunately. Keith and in a we one got point. One. Did you say think it was Katniss Everdeen? Yeah, I didn't, which, so I get nothing. Okay. Which is which is what I thought it was at the. I've got a partner whose name's spelt funky. <laughs> and I thought, that can't be right. So it can't be that. And then I went to Robin Hood and then I went back. Yeah, see, so... I, I just went to Robin Hood and couldn't get off. Because I was going, so I was just like, okay. Ma- Marion's <coughs> not spelt wrong. So what's he talking about? Okay, number two. Okay. This person's an actor. Number two. It's poo. Is it a person? Real person? Yeah, it's actor. an actor. Yeah, it's an actor. I am a classically a, trained a man actor. or woman. I think this fact is right. My boss at work told me this. Oh, God. I hope it's right. Um, first one, five point. I shared a room at college with Al Gore. I feel like I should know this. I feel like I've heard... I I've heard this, this story but before, but I can't remember I who it is. shared a yeah. room at college with Al Gore. Language Keith. <laughs> he said shared. Shared <laughs> a room. <laughs> he may have <laughs> in a room with Al Gore Keith, as well, language. perhaps. <laughs> no, 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 no takers? No. All right. I always look annoyed. <laughs> Guy <Got> out. <laughs> no, this person always. really always looks annoyed. Trying to think of people similar ages to Al Gore. Mm. No. No takers? No, All right. sorry. Three points. Spent a film chasing someone. Um, I think I might go in on this. Okay, yeah, I'm going in at um, that mm. one as well. All right. Nope. Is a bit two-faced. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got it now. So, the final clue, you want to hear that? Was in charge of a super soldier. That's too easy. (laughs) Lee, you went in first for three points. And now I feel like I was thinking the wrong person. Who did you think? I was thinking Jack Nicholson. You didn't get any points. (laughs) Keith? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Mm -hmm. Ryan? Tommy Lee Jones. As soon as the next clue came in, I was like, oh no. No, it's Jack Nicklaus, the goal. <laughs> Lee, yeah. you're on zero points so far. Yeah, Ryan yeah. and Keith, you are on a, do- a draw at four points each. All right, number three. I had two points in that one. I had oh, three yeah. and oh, two. Right. Well, you, oh, <laughs> cheating! <laughs> cheating! All right, all right. Ryan, you're winning still. Thank you. Make you happy. That's fine. Yeah. 
right. until Keith pits me by 0.08 seconds. Is um, it? Yeah. <laughs> number, number three, real person. I sang about something I lost. Let's narrow it down. <laughs> many people have lost many things in many songs. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, do I do it? <laughs> do I do it at five? Yeah, I'm gonna go. Keith's I'm gonna go. Keep going. Go. Go. This is if this isn't the one song I'm thinking about. <laughs> okay. I had hair once and now I don't. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Did you think it was a certain one with a bay and a Golden Gate Bridge really? <laughs> no. No, I'm not going to clue. Oh dear. I was big in the nineties. Is this related to a feature that we had earlier on? I can't tell you anything, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving you clues. That's oh, cheating. Right. I'm going to go in then. Oh, crap. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Lee. No, I'm going to need to hear okay. at least one more, I think. At some point, I wore blue paint in my eyes. <laughs> it's not Tobias Fumke. Okay, yeah, I think I know. Lee's I going in. And the final clue is sometimes, like everyone, I hurt... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keith at five points. Who who was your initial answer? <laughs> you see, I'm gonna say I was gonna say at the point he he lost his religion and it was Michael Stipe. You was that genuinely the answer? Lies. You were he say? went for yeah. Tony Bennett. <laughs> no. Lies. Was that genuinely the answer for five? Yeah. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was because you because you've been talking up REM. So it was Michael and Stipe. losing Michael. something. Mm. I mean. That's a hell of a point score. Keep just got right. He has wiped the floor of you. Because uh, to be honest, the rest of the clues I wouldn't have got it from. Yeah. Apart from the last one, Michael Stoke. Yeah. Michael Stoke. 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 <laughs> well, okay. Why does everyone you talk about sound like you? <laughs> Thanks. I knew when I wrote that, that would come back to bite me on the ass. No. No. Okay. Lee? No, you're on that no, one. No. Right, four. My mum isn't what she seems. A character. Yeah. I kind of want to go in on this, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I want to yeah, go in at this as well. Out of four. Mm. No. I'm prone to temper tantrums. <laughs> Again, this sounds like me. <laughs> I'm going in now. All right. I've guessed. I've got it wrong. I'll give the. I'm not going to give the other couple of clues because you was. You, you, I think you're you're blagging it when I give you the other couple of clues. <laughs> so, Keith, Lee, you went in Keith first. Keith goes first because Keith went Keith... in first. Okay. <laughs> Okay. You went in my, my mum isn't what she seems for four points. Yeah, I, I'm wrong now because I, I, I was going to say James Bond. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Lee for four points. Is it Eric Cartman? It was Eric, Eric Cartman. Cartman. <laughs> Not uh, bad guy, just big bow. Ryan was Eric Cartman. Eric Cartman was my selection. See, it's almost James Bond. <laughs> uh, the other clues were I have a blue hat and the final clue was my, my friend's mum's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number five. This Oof. one, this one is, Watched. this is tough. This is tough. Okay, it's a character. Okay. God. I am an animal. <laughs> <laughs> right. From the Muppets. 
No. Okay. No. I cause trouble. That doesn't narrow it down. No. But I have got a thing. Okay. Next clue. Everyone where I live lives on a hill. I'm going in. Okay, I'm going in. Okay. Lee, you want the next clue? Yep. A rabbit in my town does all the jobs. Okay. Oh, I've got the right character. I'm in the right place. I have no idea what this is. Final clue? Yeah. In real life, I'd eat from a trough. I have no idea. You out on this one? I am out on this one. All right, Lee's out. Ryan, you went in on three points for everyone where I live. I lives went, on a hill. I went wrong because I thought it was Simba. It's not Simba, Ryan. You're out. Keith, you went in for three points as well for the same thing. Now, I'm hoping it's the right family member. So I'm going to say Peppa Pig. It is Peppa Pig. It could have been Simba with those clues. <laughs> a, a rabbit a rabbit in the jungle. No, I didn't just get the rabbit. jobs in the that- town. I, it was before the rabbit question where the, I went in. Yeah, you went in. You went in there. <laughs> yeah, what it's, what it's, were the two questions before that? I'm an animal, I cause trouble. There you go, it's Simba. It's not, it's Peppa Pig. <laughs> you said he lives on a big hill, which is where Pride Rock is. No, I said everyone where I live lives on a hill. Yeah, which is Pride well, Rock. Not, not a minute. Pride Rock's Hang a on. rock, not a hill. It's a hill. It's a thing that sticks it's out. It's a bloody hill. Timon and Pumba don't live on a hill. <laughs> yeah, but they're not part of the thing. <laughs> Rafiki doesn't live Seg- on a hill. Segregation. He lives in a tree on a hill. <laughs> All right, final one. He lives one. in a tree on a hill. <laughs> it's the bloke from Lion King. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> right, final one here then. Real person. Simba. <laughs> Five points. I am a UK based rapper. Okay. Oh, no, but I know which one you're probably going to choose, mm-hmm. but I'm not going in yet. No, I'm not going to go for that. No, right, four points. I often was in trouble with the law. That doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> Rapper in trouble with law. Hmm. Nope. No. All right, three points. 1996 was my big year. Okay, I'm going to go in at that. All right. Yep, me too. Oh, I've gone too early. Oh, no. Mm. I botched it. Lee? No. All right. Two points. I was lied to. Yes. Oh, I've watched it, haven't I? I feel like I should know this, and I'm just not. Give me the last one. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a bad clue. I returned with a coat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, what was his name? <laughs> <laughs> Once again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the clue is in the title. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's a, and he has the name of a very large supermarket mm-hmm. chain. Have you, you see that coat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Similar to the kind of coat he returned with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not yeah. Sainsbury's, but he has a name which is like a supermarket. He, yeah, I will, I will say I'll like go in with this, but 
Yeah. It's like a street. Ryan, for your three points here. It Actually, is. no, hang on, Keith, for your three points, because you went in first. Did I go in first? Who did uh, you think it was? M- Mark Morrison. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, Tell you the didn't. truth. Who was it? I did. You didn't. I did. No, you didn't. I did. You went, oh, no. You went, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I botched it, because I didn't think Mark Morrison would count as a rapper. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. All right, Ryan. Mark Morrison. Lee. Yeah. All right. So. I was, all, all I was thinking was just the Mac, but yeah. Cheater's trophy so, goes so to uh, Honestly, every time I win anything, I get declared a cheat. It's not on. Because you cheated twice. It's da- he so. was going to say Daffy. I was thinking Stormzy immediately, and I was just like, well, as soon as you said 90s, I was like, well, I'm out. I don't know. Right, so in, in last place, losing with seven points. Sorry, Lee, it's you. Yeah, I figured. Uh, in second place, 13 points, it's Ryan. And winning uh, 10 points is Keith with 15 points, which is his bottle of Coke that Ryan bought earlier. Oh. Why are you giving away my <laughs> beverage? Pepsi Max. There you go. So that Return was Return of the Pepsi Max. Who Once again. I? And it's cold because I put it in the fridge. It's good. I did reasonably well there. I'm quite happy with that. Performance. I'm not. Cheat. <laughs> 0.8 seconds. Boost on the final corner. Keith, we're not cheating in games. Where can we find you online? <gasps> that is shocking. That is shocking behaviour. Um, you, can, you can catch me after the fact, reading the fact that I could see it said Katniss Everdeen at the top of uh, Guy's paper. Um, <laughs> but I didn't see it until after that question had gone. Um, where am I? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Granddad's forgotten where he's at. Where, where, where is it? Where is I? Uh, you can find me on Twitters. Oh, is that Mr. Tim's back? Mr. Tim's <laughs> going to do this for me. Uh, Hardluck underscore hotel on Twitters. With no underscore elsewheres. Elsewheres? What's... Next. <laughs> Lee, where can we find you online? You can find me on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it's catching. Yeah. Uh, Bob the Pet Ferret and on Twitter at the Cheap Ferret. Guy, where can yeah. we find you? Uh, Vinyl Guy H, Instagram, uh, mixcloud.com slash curiosity Listen to cool songs that I put. Did you just burp in my face? No. You did, you pig, pepper pig. <laughs> You can find me as this DVD is labelled carefully. <laughs> Moving on to my new property. You can find Ryan Parrish crashing into a wall in the Symphony Hall. <laughs> but uh, you can usually find me on Ryan Parrish on Twitter at Brummigormond when I do do some foodie stuff. The doo-doo. Uh, Don't do the doo-doo. No, throw the doo-doo. I throw the doo-doo. But um, you can find us all at Geeky Remy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Redbubble, YouTube. And at I like some of the titles on the shelves of Keith's films here. Um, Ooh, be careful. The way that's it, just the. <laughs> Ryan, be what very hell? careful. He's got Guy Halford's mask on. Is all I can say on that cover. Yeah, just um, yeah. Be very careful. That, that one's going back into Keith's special DVD collection. <laughs> we may read this in the future. But for now, that's it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>